Hey guys, and welcome back to Scary Stories to Tell Your Sister. We're your sisters, Megan and Dana, and this week we have two new topics to share. They may be odd, creepy, or out of this world. The possibilities abound. Neither one of us knows what topic the other one has chosen, as usual. So we will be pleasantly surprised, or maybe not so pleasantly, depending on the topic. So Dane, you ready to be intrigued? I am so ready, Megan. Okay. First, let me ask you how your day was. It was good. It was a really busy day. I worked, normally I work four days a week, and this week I worked five, and then we record on the weekends, and normally they're pretty chill, but this weekend I saw my old nanny kids with the dog, which is always a little bit more. Yeah. Well, because even though Ferris is a fantastic dog, he has anxiety, I have anxiety, so I always like think of the worst case scenario. And Abby always reminds me of our favorite lyric that we've kind of like used to our own things for my own self is the monsters are just trees. Mm. Um, so it was monsters are just trees. It was a fantastic day. He's exhausted. He's not actually he's not next to me tonight on the on the couch. Oh really? Haskell says he's with my podcast partner. He's actually with Abby in the room. I'm not recording in the bedroom closet as normal. I am <laughs> on the couch in the complete darkness. But I'm doing great. I'm really excited. This week's topic was harder to research, but it was worth it for me. So. Oh, good. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I had a pretty easygoing day. I just stayed home, did some research, and then Ray and I went to dinner. And I also went to Target and got some new fall candles. Oh. I did. But I'll have to return one because it's kind of headachey, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And for some reason when I'm in the store, I can't, like, get a grasp on the scent. Like, mm-hmm. it just – there's too many scents, and it's like, I don't know yeah. if I really like this. So I brought it home, and then I smelled it again at the house. And I'm like, no, that smells like a headache. Yeah, no. I I remember learning about, like, at, like at perfume stores, a lot of the times they'll have, like, coffee beans there. Yes! Because it clears your nose of the scent because the scents will just mix together, and you won't get the true uh, smell of it. And you and I are both really sensitive to smells anyway, so – I get that. I'm strictly like it has to be a soft, natural scent. Yeah, same. Pumpkin, pumpkins, like the pumpkin fall stuff, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've gotten some perfumes that I got this one perfume that I love. It, it smells like a cemetery. Ooh, um, I smell it. And I'm getting more into perfume scents like that that like have like more of like earthy. Yes. Scents. And I love it. So I want to be the person. I always want to be the person who has like a signature scent. It's like, oh, yeah, that smells like her. She smells like a cemetery. That's me. I was (laughs) talking to someone at the dog park today, one of our friends and neighbors. And this man rode by on a bike. And he rode by the bike dressed fully as Jim Carrey from The Mask. 
Oh my god. Like the yellow suit and like green face mask. And they were saying that they also saw people around, maybe it was the same guy dressed as the Grinch for like Christmas time and other things. And I was like, man, as long as he's not a clown. And I said, I don't know why clowns just like, I'm okay with clowns, but like unprepared out of their element clowns. No. No. <laughs> and I said, I was like, oh, I mean, I mean, I grew up, I grew up with neighbors that were clowns, and I was a clown, and you were a clown for a bit. So I'm like, I'm not like afraid of clowns. And I mentioned like the cemetery aspect of where we grew up, and he's like, a cemetery and clowns. And I was like, yes, it sounds a lot more ominous, out of context. Yeah, like for me, I, even though our neighbors were clowns, I was a clown. When the whole clown scary thing came out a couple years ago, remember? Oh, oh do I remember? <laughs> that is scary. Can you it's imagine yeah. seeing that, like, on the side of the road? Yeah, no. I would burst into tears. Yeah. Um, I don't do well, I realize. I don't do well with masks. And, like, not, like, not like obviously the, like, face masks of protection. Those, I'm always, I'm all for those. Like, masks where you can't see your face. Like, costume masks. Yeah. I don't like that aspect. I'm like, oh, if I don't know, if I can't see you fully and you're not doing something that's within the context of the situation, I'm a little bit apprehensive. Yeah. As much as I like spooky, I'm pretty similar to you. Like when I'm out in the real world, especially for my first Halloween, which was just a few years ago, we, Ray and I, we went to downtown Orlando area they have like a huge Halloween parade type thing every year. And it was so interesting, but also kind of scary to see all of these costumes and like these people. I'm only five feet. So most of the people were way taller than me. Masks, and it was just, it was scary. Yeah. But, and um, Halloween, like there's like different ends of the spectrum. I love Halloween. September 1st marks the uh, official start of Halloween where I can finally put up decorations and stuff. Slow, <laughs> slow, slowly but surely. But no, I get that. No, I understand. It's a, it's a, you, you, I enjoy it, but there's always that unknown, which kind of like I had a question for this week too because I was thinking about some more things. Did you ever have something that as a child you were afraid of but you didn't really tell anyone about? Like, for me, where we grew up, like we were talking about again, our backyard faced the, faced the cemetery. So it was like our house, our backyard, some like a small strip of woods, and then the cemetery. Like, if you walked from our back gate straight, you could almost get to where our abuela was buried. And my window faced that. And our mom would always put my pillow by the window because I love to read in the daytime but at nighttime I was terrified because I would see all the trees move and the shadows would morph into things in my head and I was like an alien a murderer something's coming from the woods I didn't tell mom this fear until like a year or two ago oh my god and I feel like if I would have said anything about that fear, she would, like, move your pillow to their side. Like, I remember if I went to my room 
and my blinds were open because during the day I'd have my blinds open, my fan going, but I'd but I would have I'd pull the string for the lights to be off. So at night I'd go there, flip the switch, no light would come on, and be completely dark. So I could not do that. Yeah. But like just put your put it on the other side, but I never said anything. Did you, yeah. did you do that? Anything like that for you? I did, but honestly, the first thought that came to mind, I was always afraid to say something. Like, if something scared me, I would more than likely keep it to myself. And the thing that scared, I thought I was going to die when I got my period for the first time. (laughs) I literally thought I was dying because of where it was coming from. And I was like, oh, oh, well, I guess that's it. (laughs) That's it. I didn't tell anybody. I just went on living until... Obviously, my mom found out because she did the laundry and (laughs) she was like, hey. And then she had the nerve. Oh, yeah. To tell everybody. Oh, absolutely. Abuela. And then they called somebody, I think. And I wanted to die. Like, oh, our little girl's a woman at last. You're like, I am just hemorrhaging. But okay. Thank you. Oh, my God. And that just utterly embarrassed me too it's like please I do not want attention over this yeah no I get that but uh, yeah so that was scary <laughs> that was what was scary <laughs> for me kind of scary real life <laughs> scary exactly <laughs> but I have something today that I don't know if it'll scare you but it's definitely something that's very intriguing okay and It's a subject that highlights a part of life and death that we still don't fully understand. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm glad. It's an experience that has been shared by many, mattering not if they have ties to religion, regardless of what kind of life they've lived here on Earth, where they're from. None of that matters. Okay. Do you have any guesses? I like to make you guess every week, I've noticed. I know, you do. And I'm always like, the past few times, I was aware. You- I was good. This one, I'm, have, I'm drawing a blank a little bit. I wonder if it has anything to do with dreams or, like, reincarnation stuff. You're close. So okay. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Yeah. The oldest known report of a near-death experience <gasps> is from the year 1700. 17- 40. The experience was recorded by physician Pierre-Jean Monchu. Please forgive me for my friends. 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 <laughs> friends. <laughs> friends. <laughs> Obviously, I can't speak French very well. But anyways, he spoke of a patient that experienced an incident after becoming unconscious for a time. The patient saw a bright light and assumed he must have been in heaven. So Monshu, on the other hand, thought that it may be due to an excessive amount of blood flow to the brain, creating that kind of euphoric experience. Yeah. Yeah. So today, even with all of these feats we've achieved in fields like science and medicine, near-death experiences still can't be definitively explained. So the first story that I want to share with you is probably the one that's the most detailed out there that I could find. And this is the story of Betty Jean Eady. Have you heard of her? I have not. 
Okay. I think the second story you will know, but anyways, let's, let's get to Betty Jean first. It was 1973 and Betty was in the hospital in preparation for a partial hysterectomy. She was going to be having this hysterectomy the next day. She was all alone that evening as her husband, Joe had left a few minutes ago, needing to get back to their six children at home. I can understand that. I can understand now the hysterectomy aspect of that. <laughs> right. I'm like, I, I'm, I love, I'm like, mm, I think that's enough for my body. Thank you. <laughs> Four of her children were from a previous marriage and one of those children did pass away from SIDS, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. But she remarried, is happily married and she was missing her husband that evening and she, but she could, because she couldn't like shake this anxiety that she'd been feeling all day. I mean, it's a huge surgery, so, you know, you can't really blame her, but just when she decides she's going to go ahead and call her family for a little comfort, the phone rings and her daughter Donna's on the line. She had called just to make sure that she was doing all right. And Betty could hear the kids in the background begging to speak to her. And this gave her that comfort that she needed. But it didn't last for long because as soon as she was off the phone, that sense of loneliness kind of crept back in. She hated being away from them. Like her family was her life. I can't imagine what it would be like to be surrounded by so many people all the time. Being an introvert, that kind of sounds absolutely exhausting. I feel like you would enjoy honest. alone time, like a finally. Yeah. I mean, I know I would be My nervous. meditation tapes. <laughs> <laughs> get out Louise Hay. Oh, my right. God. Anytime I can't sleep, Ray's like, get out Louise. And I'm like, all right. But it does. It sounds exhausting. Good boy. I know. He's nice. He's a good egg. He also doesn't want me to keep talking to him at night. So he's like, how about Louise? He's like, how about you talk to Louise instead so I can sleep? Yeah. (laughs) So relief doesn't come after all of this. You know, she's still kind of nervous about everything. But then the nurse comes in and offers her a sleep aid. And she's like, ah, yes, I will take that. Knock me out. Right. So the next day rolls around and she's ready for the surgery. After getting a good night's sleep, they sedate her and they take her in. And next thing she knows, the doctor is near her telling her the surgery's complete and everything looks great. Betty's now completely at ease knowing that she no longer has to worry about the impending operation. It's over. Her surgery was at noon that day. And after everything was complete, She stayed in the hospital, sleeping on and off throughout the day. Next thing she knows, it's 9 p.m. She gets her sleep medication from the nurse. She speaks with Joe, her husband, briefly on the phone. And then she begins to feel kind of weak and sleepy, so she dozes off again. Mm -hmm. Not Not for long, though, because when she opens her eyes, it's 9.30 But she's not feeling so good again. She feels even weaker. She knows something's wrong now and she tries to call a nurse, but her body is so heavy and it feels like the blood has been completely drained from her body. Yeah. She said she felt a buzzing sensation in her head and then she stops moving altogether. 
In the next moment, Betty feels her soul being ripped from her chest up and out. She's now floating above the bed and feeling like this is something completely natural. She could see someone laying on the bed below her. Curious, she went in for a closer look and realized it was her dead body. She could see herself in a way like she could never see herself before, like from every angle and like all at the same time. A a much denser, heavier body than the one that she was inhabiting now. She felt so light and could move with incredible ease. She thought, quote, this is who I really am. Whoa. Isn't that strange? What a strange feeling. As she's realizing all of this, three old men in robes Mm. come into view. They said that they were her guardian angels. And she knew that they were actually older and wiser than like how they looked. And she knew they were older and wiser than she could ever imagine. Feeling their immense love, they spoke to her through a kind of knowing, I think kind of like telepathy or something, but she said it wasn't quite like that. She was told they had been with her for eternities. And she just knew that she had always known them. Whoa. After spending a little time with them, she realized she needed to check on her family. And just like that, she was witnessing her family's nightly routine. She saw her husband on the couch. She saw her kids pillow fighting. And then she left her family and she entered into this tunnel. It was lit with vivid colors and indescribable beauty emanating from one particular being of light. So this is literally like the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Yep. And when at the end of the tunnel, like this light was actually coming from one being. Oh, a person. Mm-hmm. Like a thing. Okay, okay. Something. I I and I was like... I know, I know. It's hard to... Be no, I get it. I get it now. <laughs> she said this being was made up of love and knowledge. Me too. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> and she said that she knew that he was Jesus. Now, I'm going to pause there for a moment because not everyone that has it... I'm going to call it an NDE, but near-death experience... Okay. So not everyone that has an NDE sees Jesus. She even says she thinks that who she saw was Jesus because that's who she was raised to believe in as God. Okay. So like this entity appears to you as your belief? Exactly. Others may see whoever they believe to be God or just whatever they relate to most in regards to higher powers. Interesting. Yeah. So that's who she saw. And she said he expressed to her that it didn't matter what religion or God anyone believed in. The most important thing we needed to learn on earth was to love. And that, as we know, it isn't something that everyone can find in one place, you know, Mm -hmm. or or religion or church. That's not something. So while this is being... I'm sorry. While this being, <laughs> while this being is being talking about <laughs> beans, this, <laughs> this being told her <laughs> it wasn't her time to go, and she still needed to, you know, experience more things on Earth. But 
while she was there, she did have a life review. And do you know what the, a life review is? Have you ever heard of that? No. It reminds me of that one, like, sto- short story kind of thing that was, like, at the end of the life, he's talking to, like, the a god figure, and it goes over, like, all of how his life was. Is it, I feel almost like it's, like, a work review. Like, let's talk about your... Yes! Okay. That's exactly what it is. But the thing about this review is you can feel everything that you've ever like if you made somebody feel really sad you can feel that emotion you can feel exactly how you made other people feel good Uh bad yeah to me it sounds like the ultimate karma kind of you know yeah I didn't know I get nervous thinking about when my own bosses are like hey we have to let's have like a check-in I panic (laughs) Abby won't tell me if it's happening so I'll like I'll be out of my head now. A car- a karmic review. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I've been an okay person. I would say decent, but we all are imperfect, like human beings. Mm-hmm. I oh, feeling everything. No, <laughs> no, that sounds that that is. I mean, like that's a scary feeling because you're yeah. like you don't even know what to expect. You know what I mean? Like you know yeah. how you feel. But you don't know how you made these other people feel. Yeah. Like really deep down inside. Yeah. So this is what she experiences. And after that, she was able, she kind of like, I guess you could say one on like this little tour. She was able to see that there were so many other worlds out there and that they too had people on them. She was told that each of us choose to actually come to earth and she she's telling sorry i know i know yeah she's saying you chose to come here Hmm. she said she could actually see beings preparing to go to (laughs) earth little beans all in a row (laughs) she toured the most magnificent garden filled with flowers beautiful mountains and a waterfall that was making music with every drop. Whoa. And like most of these people, they say that the things that they're describing are kind of like they're not even able to explain it as well as the experience. Like the experience was way more awa- amazing than how they could ever describe yeah, it. Yeah, like words fail to describe it. Exactly. So when it was time to leave, she returned to her body. And she was so disappointed considering everything that she had just experienced. You know, she was in perfection and now she's back in this failing body. And on this earth. Right. And now it's 2 a.m. So if you remember, it was 9.30. I think it was 9.30. Yeah. When this first happened. So now it's 2 a.m. By the time she was conscious again, she managed to call her husband and he quickly came to be by her side. I don't know if the doctors had already worked on her or if they came to work on her after this. It wasn't quite clear to me, but she does remember being in and out of consciousness and seeing the doctors working on her. And then she also remembers her husband being by her side. While she was in and out of this world, she 
saw a three-year-old child spirit and she had not seen any children at all during her NDE. So she was surprised to see this little child spirit. And it seemed to be, this was while she was in the bed, the, the hospital bed and her husband is right next to her. And this child seems to really be drawn to her husband, kind of giggling and laughing. And then she goes up to her husband, the little child stands on her, on the tip of his shoe with one foot and with the other foot kind of like flings it out in sort of like a ballet type move. Yeah. And Betty asked him, like, can you see that little girl? And mm-hmm. he's like, no. Oh, Betty. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was just Betty that could see this child. By the next day, she was doing much better, but didn't want to talk about her NDE with anyone, including her husband, because it felt like no words could ac- accurately describe her experience. She ended up within the next few weeks sharing the experience with her family and they fully supported her. Betty, like a lot of others, what was that? I said, good for them. I know. Betty, like a lot of others that have NDEs, experienced like a really deep depression after returning to her regular life. After an experience of what was pure perfection, I can only imagine what it must have felt like to return here. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, like, good for her, though, because she must have been a pretty decent person if she wasn't, like, completely, like, destroyed by the actions she had towards others in her little karmic review, which I am still stuck on forever, this karmic review. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... It seems, though, a lot of because everything up there shows you that our main goal is love. Yeah. I feel like it's not a punishment. It's like, hi, here's exactly what like, be doing better. You know, like, exactly. Okay, do better. But you just send me back to that place. Right. <laughs> so over time, with her family's help and with kind of putting herself in a more I'm gonna have to cut this part out Dana why just because I'm I'm I don't even know what I'm saying at the moment hold on okay over time and with the help of her family she realizes that she had to live the life she was meant to here before she could return to that amazing place she left not that long ago realizing this along with the support of her family she was able to move forward in a more positive direction. She still felt like she needed closure, though, after what she'd experienced in the hospital. She'd never gotten a full explanation as to what happened. So five years after her hysterectomy, she returned to the doctor who had performed the surgery. She sat in his office, and when he asked how he could help her, she explained that she wanted to know exactly what had happened that evening the doctor did remember her and grabbed her file relaying to her how she hemorrhaged during surgery but they thought everything was okay after correcting that complication Hmm. later that evening she was not visited by any nurses during the shift change i guess i don't know if something got mixed up or what happened but there was a shift change and nobody came to check on her for hours and that's when she hemorrhaged again (gasps) 
he told her that he didn't know how long she'd been in this condition. And they did a lot of work to actually get her back. This was all the validation that she needed. Now that would be it. But there's one last thing I want to share about her story. Is the little girl? Six years after her hysterectomy, she was asked to foster a 10-month-old baby. (gasps) Which she and her family happily agreed to. They eventually adopted the baby, and the family felt complete with this bright and happy little girl. One day, about two years later, Betty watched as the little girl, also named Betty, went up to Joe, one foot on the tip of his shoe, and the other up in the air like a ballerina. And in that moment, the memory of the little girl in the hospital came back to her. And she knew without a shadow of a doubt, this was a little spirit she'd seen all those years ago. And she had always been, been meant to be in her life. Oh my goodness. I know. And the, the, her book actually goes into more detail about like how this little girl actually came into their lives. Yeah. And how, like how they it, it wasn't it wasn't an easy process how okay. they actually they fostered this child at first and then they adopted this child it it's a lot longer obviously the yeah. book tell, goes into a lot of detail that i did not add in <laughs> this is a very cursory podcast is <laughs> on a book report i didn't know that oh no yeah <laughs> so we're missing some you know big Big, big chunks of time, yeah, but exactly. But the highlights are here that she saw her child before the child was hers. Yes. Now that's it for her story. I have one other story that I think that you already know because it we've seen it on Unsolved Mysteries. We've mm. seen him interviewed in other places. Do you know who this? No, I don't. I was thinking of that one story where the girl is getting surgery done and she sees it happen from above so i'm 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 not on the same page as you no it's not her i'm not sure who you're talking about but this is very common like they see themselves from above having the surgery done and i was torn between this guy and another guy the other guy he remembers i think he was also on an episode of unsolved mysteries where he when he left his body he ended up going to some place where like these things were biting him no and like do you remember that no all i remember and i'm stuck on the i think it's a female and individual and she's under surgery and like she hears like she sees the doctor like playing music stuff and she's like i heard the song you were that you were playing and that I don't remember anything about anyone getting bitten. If I have an NV, <laughs> I, I want peace and love wa- music waterfall, not demon piranhas. You know, that guy, his karmic review was not a kind, apparently. So no, please tell me, who's the next story? <laughs> this story begins September 17th, 1975 in South Carolina. Danian Brinkley is at home with his wife. And there's a bad storm that's passing through their city. Danian is speaking to his friend Tom on the phone when lightning strikes. 
it hits him and is so powerful it sends him to the other side of the room while Whoa. leaving his shoes fused <laughs> to the ground where he stood talking on the phone. I can laugh because I know he survives because it's an obviously a near-death experience. Yeah. Can you imagine seeing like Ray or me seeing phone? <laughs> and they just like fly. No. No, and I can't believe I'm laughing right now. That's the thing. We can laugh because he did survive. Exactly. Um. <laughs> he survived. It would not be funny no. any other way. Of course, Sandy hears what happens, his wife, and she comes rushing in. She did not laugh. She was very concerned because at this absolutely. point, he was not okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Lightning is terrifying. Yeah. Tom, his friend that's on the phone with him, also knows that something awful happened because he hear- he heard this, like, huge Boom. bang. Yeah. And he rushes over to Danian's home. Sandy, his wife, begins to perform CPR and continues to do so until Tom arrives. And when he does, Tom immediately takes over. Now, during all of this commotion, Danian has actually left his body and is looking down at what's happening to him. He can see his wife and Tom working on him to try and save him. Danian is now proceeding down a tunnel mm-hmm. where he, too, like Betty, sees a being at the end. A little jumping being. <laughs> And just like Betty becomes enveloped in his life review. Oh, God. He sees, feels, remembers every single moment of his life. For Danian, his life review was pretty full of negative experiences, due mostly to the fact that for most of his childhood and into adulthood, he was not a nice individual. He treated so many people unkindly throughout his life. And because of that, a lot of the things he felt during his life review were feelings of sadness and hurt. The feelings that those he inflicted hurt, the feelings that those he inflicted hurt and pain on, he felt that. Yeah, so he felt all the pain that he had caused others back to him. Exactly. During the 28 minutes, Danian was dead. Mm. And after he had his life review, he was approached by 13 beings who were inside of this spectacular cathedral. They each held a box in their hands and shared with Daniel what was inside. He looked in the boxes and he could see visuals of things that were supposed to happen in the future. Even though there were only 13 boxes, he was able to see 117 events that would happen later in life. Danian then is transported back into his body. He opens his eyes and he realizes he's covered from head to toe in a sheet. Oh my God. Meanwhile, Tom is standing right next to him. Tom doesn't know why he decided to come into that room too to like see him, but Tom is standing right next to him and Tom sees that the sheet is moving. No. Can you no. imagine? No. no, I cannot imagine being either of those men. <laughs> that would be so scary. I- and I would be thinking is this like natural? Like, is this some sort of like gas leaving his body? I I would try to think of everything. I don't think, 
I don't know if I would jump to say that he's alive because I'm like, the doctor said he was dead. He's, in, he's, he's under the blanket. Right. My brain said, hit it. <laughs> <laughs> hit it. Hit it. See what, <laughs> see what happens. Either it's a good thing that happens or either you hit it and if it's bad, then, you know, either way you hit it. Exactly. Quickly. Did you ever see Charade? Oh, God, yes. Do you remember when everybody was... <laughs> visiting the man in the, the thing, funeral at the funeral yeah. and going up to him with like a yeah. mirror one guy has a mirror one guy has a pin yeah just to make sure that he's a dead of, a lot of like uh like mafioso people would do that people would like try to fake their deaths until they come over they stab him with a pin that is so freaky don't worry i'll stab you thank you but in case you gotta know he's trying to sheet Oh, I know. I used to be really afraid of being... Oh, here's one of the things, Dana. I used to be really afraid of being (laughs) buried alive. Same. And so when I heard about, you know, how... I I always wanted to be (laughs) buried... I told my mom that I wanted to be, like, in a buried above ground for a couple of days. But I know that that doesn't make sense, buried. But, you know, like in a casket. Like a mausoleum? Like 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 a mausoleum type thing? Yeah, but, like, so people could come check on me just to make sure, you know, she's, okay, she's all right. Like Snow White's glass coffin? Perfect. Yes, that. That is terrifying. I will just, what if I just have, like, a a mausoleum for you with, like, a CCTV? I'm not afraid of it anymore. (laughs) Okay. I'll still stab you in case you want me to. Thank you. You're welcome. So he's alive. (laughs) And he's obviously still in a lot of pain and he has a lot of work to do but a week later he's able to go home does tom lift up the blanket what happened there oh tom called the doctors in (laughs) right then and there and was like hey my man is still alive get him out of here the sheets are moving (laughs) do something about it thank you bye yeah but he he's able to leave the hospital and it takes him two years to kind of get back to normal. The injury was so traumatic. He had to learn to walk and talk. And he also had to wear like these special, they said that they were like welder's glasses because his eyes were so sensitive okay. to the light. In time, he shared with his friends some of the things that he'd seen in the boxes These friends came forward later and actually confirmed that he did make these predictions before any of the events, the events took place. Some of those predictions were the election of Ronald Reagan, the Gulf War, and then the 1990 collapse of the Soviet Union, which this he shared with Dr. Raymond Moody back in 1976. And have you heard of Dr. Raymond Moody? The name sounds familiar, but it also could be just me thinking of a the, the, Sorry, what? Never mind. It's not what you were thinking. Go ahead. I know. I know what you're thinking. Moody's point. Oh no, I do not know what you're thinking. Thank you. Continue on. Okay. There was a there was a murderer just recently named Raymond Moody. He is not that Raymond Moody. Okay. He's this guy's a good guy. He's a doctor. He's a psychiatrist. He's done a lot of research on this phenomenon. He's written so many books on NDEs and life after death. Very interesting individual with all of the research that he's done. 
so he did so Danian told Raymond about this the 1990 collapse of the Soviet Union but he told him back in 1976 okay way before it happened years after his NDE Danian had his ability put to the test when he was asked to help the mother of a man who had been murdered along with his wife Danian gave her a detailed description of the killer along with when and where the killer would be caught and everything proved to be true. Danian's life truly transformed after his NDE and after such an intense self-reflective experience, he became a more understanding and self-sacrificing man. He went on to volunteer at hospice centers around the country giving comfort to those close to transitioning. So, Dane, what do you think of NDEs? I I think they're both... I mean, it has to be something, like the energy and things like that. Like, thinking of that one, the one person you spoke about when he got, like, struck by lightning. Because our body is like water and electricity pretty much you know our nerves and stuff like that so that must have like rewired something especially with him having to like learn to walk and talk again because it's such like a it's almost like a hard reboot right so in that moment like you're even though it's like turned off there's still like the lingering stuff there so it's like where did your subconscious go like that little voice in your head i think that they are so interesting because they both had very similar experiences but with very different like outcomes like I don't know what I would do if I had these boxes put forth I mean I know out of all of them but yeah especially there are bad ones oh yeah the fact that both Betty and Danian had psychic experiences after this the NDEs too I find interesting that is that is that is a really interesting thing I wonder if like prior to these experiences if they had like similar like not similar things but like if they had like almost like that they were more prone like inclined to it like are you yeah inclined to certain things and this event kind of like lingered with you and also I have to wonder how many people have these experiences that maybe you don't remember. Because you know how, like, some people can remember their dreams all the time? Right, right. They can't. So I wonder if some people are more apt to remembering certain things. And I wonder how much of them are actually, like, really, like, heavy dream things. But then, like you said, both Daniel and Betty had things that carried on years later. Right. So when- it's like, let's go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, when Dad was in the hospital, I I was like, when he comes out of this, I'm going to ask him what he saw, because he had to have had an NDE, but he did not. He had a, just a death experience. <laughs> just a death experience. He got near and then jumped right over it. Now, <laughs> eh. go big or go home. I'll do both. Go big. I'll go home. <laughs> I'll go home. He was like, yeah, I'm not going back. I like it here. He's like, "Mm, I did my time. And my (laughs) time was painful. My body was not happy. Yep. Like, what do you think, Megan? 
I believe wholeheartedly. I her Betty's story in particular, when I was reading it, it just like it gave me so much hope. The near death, the near death, the life review is also <laughs> a scary experience. I feel like it it would be just terrible because I already feel bad for anything bad that I've done. Like I beat myself up constantly if I even kill an ant. So yeah, I can't imagine feeling everything again. You know what I mean? But not just feeling it again, but then from the other person's point of view. Exactly. There might have been things that you thought weren't a big deal, but for someone it totally crushed them. Oh, sorry. Have fun sleeping tonight. Right? <laughs> that Hi. Here's a scary story. It's not scare. It's anxiety and dread. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah. And I think. And I think the thing for me, like you said, that really I love her thing is all about love. You know? So yeah. Come down to it. That's really what it is. But right. the thing with the, it's the little girl that really gets me with hers. Because I was. Because, like, it was, like, almost, like, it was still lingering on. Like, she was, like, wait, you didn't see me yet? Here I am. Here's my pose. Remember. Right. Mm -hmm. What was that all about? Yeah. I I just think there's so much more that we are unaware of. I, I do believe, like, what she said. I think that it doesn't matter what you follow, what religion you are. I think that just try your best to be a good person. I think that's what the whole point is. And then she had also said that she was shown what her purpose was besides like loving, like she had a purpose, but she doesn't remember what it was. Like that was something that they took away No, Um, because, well, because they said if they were to give it to her, she would try to finish it in like a different timeline you know what I mean like if you okay. know you're supposed yeah. to you have a deadline almost you know <laughs> and she's like let me finish it now or also yeah like, like if you're told hi you're gonna do xyz maybe being told that will like make it harder for you to get there or not the way you're supposed to get there exactly yeah because maybe you're supposed to meet someone along the way and if you don't meet them right yeah. things will change all that stuff all that like timeline thing and like domino effect things really if I think about it too hard I will just kind of like go into a unmovable focus me too now well I have talked about a little less magical this week but definitely more spooky so here's the thing Megan like I said before we record on the weekend I was up late one night with insomnia on Tuesday And I was realizing that I had so many topics on my mind, but I hadn't settled on one yet. So I actually chose one that I love. It's something that's going to be sure to scare you, but that will be my topic for next week. Because I was scrolling around and I found this listicle and I went down a rabbit hole because I found something that I had never heard about before. Hold on. Pause for one second. Did yeah. you say you found this listicle? Yeah. What is a listicle? A listicle is like a list article. Like, that's a, a term. Oh, it is? 
Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard it. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. So it's like, like, like when you see like 14 most haunted places, that's like a listicle. Oh. I could be completely wrong. It could be in my own word. I know it's not my own word, but I like it. Anyway, on this listicle, I found something that I can honestly say I had never heard about before. Okay, I'm excited. This is a cryptid, a creature known as the Beast of Bray Road. Ooh! So this takes place, mainly the biggest sightings have been taken on a two-mile stretch of a road in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. The road is called Bray Road, and on it, it's reportedly the stalking grounds of, quote-unquote, the Wolfman of Wisconsin, or the Beast of Bray Road. This human-like creature has been seen in the country road with a body covered in fur and eyes that seem to glow in the light of the, of the eye beams, and it stalks cars and eats the body of bloody carcasses of the roadkill. The first sighting of this one actually took place in 1936. I'm said 37. 36, and it took place at this St. Claletta's School for Exceptional Children. This is a school for children to have exceptional needs and need more. I think it might almost like a around-the-clock care school type thing. Okay. And it was really a large school. You had the school itself. You had sprawling grounds with gardens and orchards and a religious sanctuary and apparently even some indigenous burial mounds in the area. Now, a side note real quick, unlike like burial grounds like cemetery, burial mounds are something different and it's an interesting thing to visualize. So these are have been called Wisconsin's oldest natural form of art. And according to some articles I've, I researched, Effigy mounds are burial monuments made of earth that is formed in the shape of like an animal or a creature. And in the state of Wisconsin itself, there are over 3,000 sites of those, a lot of which have been like plowed over and like mowed down for like building stuff and constructions. Mm. So these mounds were all over Wisconsin at the time. But think about it like the visual, like I was talking about in the beginning. With the window at night, you have these hills of shapes and the trees in the dark, and you're the watchman. Uh-uh. You're alone at the school, and there are many things that would seem to go bump in the night. Trees that take the shape of monsters lurking in the shadow, but this night, Megan, the shadows looked back. The watchman was a man in in his 30s. His name was Mark Shackleman. And it's around midnight when he's doing the rounds. And he notices something near one of the mounds in the back of the school. And he looks closer and he sees the creature. He described it as a shaggy, dog-faced creature with a muscular human torso. And it was digging through the dirt. Oh, my God. And when Mark notices it, the beast turns and notices him too. Slowly, they back away from each other 
until they are still remaining in each other's sight, but they are farther away. And the beast takes off running on two paws like a human would into the darkness. No. I and would Mark, run away. And Mark, being sane of mind, does not follow after him. <laughs> Good. Um, in the light of day, he does what we would probably do. He goes to the same spot where he saw the beast to be like, hey, did I actually see something? And there he sees Mark's carved into the dirt like claws. Which gives him the sign that he was not hallucinating the night before. <laughs> but he didn't have to worry about that much more because that same, that very night, again, around midnight, the next day. So, yeah, the first night he saw it, in the daylight he saw the claws, and now that following night he's doing his same rounds. And he does the same rounds like always. He's walking the area, and it comes up to the mound where he was before, and this time he thinks, I'm prepared to see whatever I'm going to see. But then he sees the beast. It's there before him again with thick clumps of dark matted hair and said to, said to be smelling of old rotted meat. Ew. Mm-hmm. So this stinky, disgusting thing <laughs> is standing over six feet tall <gasps> and has fangs and is growling at him, letting out a noise between animal growls and like guttural human. oh my god what do you know like what do you do in this situation because it's like i didn't know i know with bears if it depends on what kind of bear it is you're supposed right. to either make a loud noise or, or back, back away. away slowly i don't even know which freaking one it is what am i supposed to do with this guy oh my god like don't yeah it's like it's like if it's this kind of bear or this kind of mountain lion make noise and clap or other ones you don't make noise but back away like never turn your back Right. But in this research, it said that he began to pray. Oh. I don't know if this was out loud or just in his head, but I have to imagine it was both. Because yeah. <laughs> I would be pulling out all the stops, like that one weaselly guy in the mummy, like calling out to anyone to answer those prayers of fear. <laughs> but he said the animal backed away from him, sneering. And he continued to pray until the creature took off, leaving the scent of that death smell permeating in the air. Like he said, it was like stuck in the air afterwards, that smell. So he tells his wife and his son, he even drew a picture of what he saw to give them an idea of the beast. But they never really spoke about it again. Not until the 90s when his son saw a news report about it. (gasps) Guys. There was no more sightings, really, until these next two sightings that come tied together in with that news report. So there was a reporter named, her name is Linda Godfrey, and she was from the case of the Beast of Ray Road. Now, she was kind of uh, an unbeliever. She was like, what is this stupid thing I am writing about? I'll do it. It'll be like a little fluff weird piece. But by the end, she was a believer and then some. Mm. So this one happened in, in 1989. It's 35 miles away from the school, and this one's on Bray Road. When the article first was published, this individual was unnamed, but they have since come forward with their name. Her name is Lorraine, 
and Drizzy. And I always feel like being anonymous at first kind of gives her more clout for me because it's like she didn't want the attention on her. She was like, right. happened. Don't put my name on there because a lot, of, a lot of times when people come forward, they get more attention for better or for worse. Yeah. So here's what she said. This is her quote. She was, I was driving home one night on Bray Road. And I saw this thing on the side of my road as it came up to my car, as, as I came up to it in my car, its back was to me. So I saw that it had ears and a whole bit. It was kneeling. It was brownish gray and he had big teeth and fangs. And he looked at me. He turned his head to look at me. It was at night and it was quite large, but I know what I saw. You don't mistake something like that. I think for me, the kneeling part really gets to me. Yes, that's very human. That's a thing. It's the human, human-like aspect, like minus like more ape-like creatures and things that are almost like genetically like close to us. This isn't something like that. Like it doesn't. Ha- it has like that with the ears and the fangs, right? And that, kneeling and crouching thing because it's like also by kneeling it's not kneeling on all on all fours i feel like it's like squatting almost can you imagine camping and seeing that no you would have nowhere to go like your tent isn't gonna do anything for you (laughs) i you know so they say for me me and my sleeping bag completely zipped up (laughs) with my face in the pillow and being like well I, I might suffocate, but I also <laughs> won't see that thing. So, oh. The next one is, so she drives away. And she's like, I just saw something really terrifying. But she doesn't really do anything about it because what are you going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. It's 89. She probably doesn't have. No, uh, you don't have a phone to take a 20s. picture. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, no, there's, there's no phone to call her for help because those were expensive back then. And there's certainly no phone with a picture that has quality enough to be like, look at this pixel I saw on the road. There's none of those. <laughs> and so the next one is also very around the same time. It's in 1991. And it's October. So it's Wisconsin in October. I'm thinking it has to be similar to up north where I am, where once it's dark, it's dark. You know, and also this is Wisconsin. It's probably less light pollution than what I have. So it's dark. It's country, Wisconsin. So there's a high school student. Her name is Doris Gibson. And she's driving down the same road, Bray Road, late at night in the fog. And she hits something in the road. (gasps) A bump in the road. And she knew she hit something. So she says... She gets out of her car to check what it is. Oh, my God. And she says, and I quote, here comes this thing. And she looked at it coming towards her and her fight and flight, fight or flight really got into gear because she went back into her car and put the pedal to the metal. But she said that had no matter because the way it was running it would suggest that it was on two legs because you could see the chest so well as it was and it was pulsating. No, Dana. Coming towards me. No. 
Yeah. She said it was bigger than any dog she'd ever seen and covered in long, straight hairs. It was running. 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 I don't like the running. <laughs> you can kneel all you want. I don't like the kneeling, but I like the running far less. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I do not like the running at all. I... I'm scared right now, really. <laughs> I keep hearing a tapping at my window. Yeah, and I'm like, the beast is coming for you. He I wants, don't want the beast from Bray Road to, to get smell. me. He wants you to smell his delicious, rotting meat body. No. <laughs> Have that set in your nose. I don't want it. <laughs> and I think this thing for me that Diana told reporter Linda really scented my own thoughts on the subject. She said... The mind tends to play tricks on people after you've been scared. And I admit, I was afraid. I'm not going to say it was a werewolf. I'd say it was a freak of nature. One of God's mistakes. <laughs> that um, is, that kind of makes me laugh. Because I right? think of roaches. They're God's <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> Imagine a giant roach. Giant cockroach. Fuck no. Um, <laughs> And like after the after this report comes out, there's some other sources that come public too. Wisconsin Department of Natural Resource employees said in 1972 they had followed up on sightings of an ape-like creature that had tried to enter a farmhouse before it was finally like chased away, and it left a quote-unquote gash across across a horse's chest, <gasps> footprints that were over a foot long in its wake. Oh, my God. And yeah. apes don't even, they don't eat meat. Yeah. So it's like a thing. So, I mean, this author, her name is, Linda, like you said, Linda Godfrey. And she started this article in the 90s as, like, a reporter for a, a small publication. And she wrote these articles in the early 90s because she was assigned this. She didn't really believe it, like I said. But since then, she's gone on to become a sort of cryptozoologist author um, she writes these types of niche nonfiction works, and she says that she believes she had almost a tie in the those effigy mounds that she thinks it's a connection to the whole lore. She says that she was once directed to some local caves where there was petri like hieroglyphic things of a werewolf like creature, though she has no proof of the cave's location nor photos so that's a large grain of salt with her and that not with her but with that the cave thing yeah i also don't feel like that that whole kind of like generalization of oh indian stuff that's what the bad you know think when people yeah but that's what she said so i wanted to bring that out as well and then like after the 90s the sightings just sort of dropped away until 20 20 oh my god i thought maybe since it had stopped the thing had just died no so in 2020 there was a gentleman named his name is ron rice he lived in geneva which is a little bit close by and he traveled to the town of lions for work and he saw the creature twice now his story is different because he saw in the daytime. Ooh. So he says he pulls into this long gravel driveway of a farm and he's dropping off fertilizer. So he's there loading up the truck and he says 
it's a long driveway and right at like near the driveway is deep woods like about 150 feet away from the driveway mm. so he's there and he's in the middle of the day it's in may he's sitting in his car resting a little bit before he goes back out and he looks out to the distance and right there at that line he a figure catches his eye he says this thing was huge it was over seven feet tall <laughs> it was brown and hairy with with coarse hair and it walked out and picked something up and turned its back towards me and went back into the woods oh my god which also i'm like is this more werewolf or bigfoot because it picked something up which shows like it's that, not a dog. It has, grip. Right. It has the opposable thumb. I was like, what's that bendable thumb thing we have? <laughs> and then two weeks later, he sees the beast again. And again, it walked out into the woods, did something, and then quickly returned. <gasps> so it's like, not, like, like I said, this was the only one I could see when looking into it that took place in daylight. But Megan... What if I told you that the beast was seen as recently as last year? Oh, I'm kind of excited. So, once again, we're back at night, though. Oh, no. And this is an unnamed man. He's driving through Elkhorn in January. So, it's probably super cold, probably icy conditions. He is, like, trying to get back. And this is just before there was that super blue blood moon. Like a, it's right before the, the, the full moon. Mm-hmm. And late at night, he saw it. Even though he was not used to seeing wolves in that area, he saw a wolf run across the road on its hind legs. Uh-uh, Dana. And this man apparently figured... That the full moon was causing the animals to act suspiciously. Okay. Because the creature just ran like a human on two legs and would and didn't not stumble or look awkward. And it was swinging its front legs like a human would swing its hands. And he just thought that it was because of the full moon? I was like, sir, no wonder you're unnamed. Does your dog do this? Ferris, and then that's gonna be a new nightmare. Ferris, <laughs> because, like, obviously, Ferris will like stand on his hind legs sometimes, like to jump up and like see you, and like sometimes we hold his hands and like dance with him. But he's awkward, he's not solid. No. And I know there are some dogs that like can do it who have the stamina and strength and training to like stand on hind legs and kind of like hop around, but they don't really have like that, that gait, right. Know, that- and gate and like the swinging your arms like I feel like your arms aren't because like I I don't know about you but when I picture dogs on their hind legs their front paws are always kind of like tucked out towards them uh-huh oh you, yeah they're, they're, they're up and like tight not down and loose no and down and loose <laughs> that's something waddling menacingly towards you <laughs> I would not like it Mm-mm. And all witnesses have had said like one thing in common: this beast is extremely large, 
weighing between 400 and 700 pounds and between six and seven feet plus. And also, how much? How much? Six. So it weighs between 400 to 700 pounds and is at least six feet tall. 400? 700, too. No. Dana, that is humongous. Mm-hmm. And although it's a menace a lot, and it hasn't deemed to be an aggressive creature. But I said one time it was running. It's never really been seen to, like, go purposely after people. Like, I think the one girl who hit him with his car kind of thing, but it's never purposely gone after people. Right. And still... But yeah, there it is. That is the beast. It is America's most infamous werewolf. But is it a werewolf? Is it a creature left over from times past? Is it stuck in between woods and crop fields? The Bigfoot of the Midwest? Some hybrid? A bear with mange? Or a wild man? Or answers we'll never know. So what do you think, Megan? What would you do if a rampant smelling beast snarled at you? I... I honestly, if it were during the day, I don't think I would be, I think I'd be more curious. I would be (laughs) terrified. Don't get me wrong. I would be terrified, but I would be way more curious to know. I might get a little bit closer. Yeah. So if I had my car, not like walking in the woods. (laughs) Yeah. I think I feel a little safer in my car in daytime at nighttime. Not even my car is safe enough. No. Um, But like I said, it has been, it is actually apparently America's most infamous werewolf. Like, there have been werewolves all over, like, the place. There are, like, the Rougarou in, like, Louisiana and, like, other things. But this one, I think, has had more sightings. I don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the most infamous uh, werewolf in Wisconsin, at least. But also, they've given it more, like... Where is it? Because it's a bipedal thing, which means it stands on two feet. Yeah. Which kind of gives it the more Bigfoot vibes, too. Because when people think of werewolves, sometimes they think of that attacking, like, that, that like, explosive energy, like, that turning into something. Yeah. Which people are saying, this might not be that aspect. It could be more like a Bigfoot, especially with the, with the picking up things. But then people also have said, hmm. Maybe it's a bear with mange, which I've looked up pictures of bears with mange. Yeah, they, I've seen they, them. They're scary looking, but also people describe this as long hair and matted hair. The right. Mange takes away the bear's hair. Exactly, Dana. I mean, that could account for the smell, but True. I don't think so. I think there's something there. I don't think it's a wild man. Or something like that. And I know. And the thing is. A wild man. What a funny term. And I said. I don't like it. I mean. It's a private road. There's no like camping out. Or like hiking on the road. It's a private road. And a lot of times people. The residents were upset. That like. The reporter actually. Put the name of the road. Because in the 90s. People started flocking there. Mm. And. Even like one time a guy was arrested. Because he was like on someone's property that he had worked for in the past, just sitting there with a gun and just drinking, being like, I'm going to find the beast and kill him, which no, that's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, I don't think I would want to see the beast in day or night. I would choose daytime if I had to, 
but I 100% don't want to see it at night. Not at all. But I do want to see it and I want to see it in the daytime. I'm in my apartment at dark and I'm like, if I turn around too quickly, it's going to be there. So nighttime (laughs) is not for me. Uh, Maybe if I, okay, here's my, here's my caveat. I will see it in the daytime if I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will see it in the nighttime if I am not the one driving. <laughs> oh, my God, Dana. We are so different. I will see it in the daytime. I don't care if I'm alone or not. If I, As long as I'm in my car, mm-hmm. I'm fine. I can get away. In the nighttime, I don't want to see it at all. But if I have to see it at night, I want to be the one driving because I want to be in control. <laughs> To get the hell out of there. I don't know who else would be with me. And if they're like stupid and like want to stay and That's go true. see this creature, I want to be in control. That is true. That's a really good point. I was thinking if you were driving, I'd be okay. Abby would probably panic or drive too fast or too slow. <laughs> Ray would drive too slow. <laughs> so. Oh my God. But yeah, that have you ever heard of the beast before? Never have I ever heard right? of it. That. that made me really happy. So I'm glad I brought something new and spooky to you. I'm and so glad you did too. I love it. And I hopefully I brought something new and spooky to the listeners as well. Because that is it for this week. So we want to thank you for sticking around with us as we work out all the kinks and pitfalls of this podcast life. But more importantly, we want to thank you for listening in all your kind words as we have sibling chats with the world talking about all things that go bump in the night. So make sure to rate and review and send any suggestions our way for stories that will make us spooked too. So until then, stay safe and stay spooky. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh.